Hey, everybody. It is for time for sports business, the greatest sports podcast out there that is uh, in the works right now. I am your host, Mr. Eric Compton, a.k.a. Mr. Town Business, and I have my brother, my battle buddy, my co-host, Mr. Brian Barrafield. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Big Sars checking in. All right. So, yeah, you know, uh, we're definitely going to recap on a couple of things that took place this week. Yesterday, we had an amazing pregame show. I'm glad that, uh, the people that was able to tune in, they were able to uh, kind of get an insight on what we were thinking as far as these games went. Um, looks like you and I may have goofed up on one game in particular, BB, that uh, we'll definitely get into. Uh, we both got it wrong, so uh, yeah. uh, kind of didn't even pay no mind to it. So we'll definitely get going into that. Uh, we definitely got a couple other things in the sporting world that we'll definitely discuss that uh, took place this weekend as well. And uh, before we do get into the nitty gritty of it, let's do it. Just go ahead and knock out a little bit of admin work. BB, tell them where they can find you at, man. Uh, you can find me at Big Star Sports with a Z on Twitter and on Instagram and uh, Brian L. Bearfield on Facebook. All right, Mike. I said my name is Eric Compton, a.k.a. Mr. Town Business. You can find me on Instagram at Money Compton as well as on Facebook at Eric Compton. Um, I believe by the end of this week we will get that uh, social media feed going. Um, so, therefore, you guys out there who want to email us some of your questions, comments, and concerns, we definitely take everything in consideration. We will try to be a man of the people. Uh, men of the people, I should say, and trying to get to everyone's questions, comments, and concerns. And uh, once again, we can't we can't do this without y'all. So we definitely appreciate everyone that has been tuning in since day one. And uh, I definitely know for sure that bigger things are greater, uh, better to come. So uh, without that being said, man, uh, let's go into a couple of some of these games that uh, took place yesterday. Week one was a crazy week, man. We saw a game that went over eight hours long. We saw a couple of games that looked like the Big 12 uh, shootout. Uh, and then we also <laughs> saw a couple of doozers, man. So, uh, And we did see a couple of shocking uh, uh, outcomes as well. So, uh, BB, if you had to take – what was your biggest takeaway out of week one, man, if you had to guess one? Uh, I was very surprised. At, I was very surprised at what Tampa Bay did to um, – <laughs> I was very surprised at what Tampa Bay did to the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, man, and I think um, if if we got if if we could rewind the tapes, man, and uh, we do have it on wax that you and I both said that uh, we wasn't really paying attention to this game and that uh, New Orleans should have had it uh, had it had it in the bag, but uh, it looks like about I don't know about seven minutes into the second quarter we was dead wrong on that. Oh man, <laughs> dead wrong. I was like, dang, I'm glad I ain't played a lot of yeah, man. Wrong. Yeah, yeah, so uh, that game, uh, the New Orleans Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, played each other yesterday, and like I said, that was probably a Big 12 game where it was nothing but offense, and uh, looks like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers prevailed on 48-40, to 40, um, the highest opening week one score combined ever. Um, yeah, man, I thought New Orleans, you know, I don't know if they're still going through the, uh, the, the, the horrific uh, – the horrific missed tackle that uh, the DB had over there in the divisional game back in uh, Minnesota last year, but that defense looked terrible, bro. Like, I, I, I didn't, I, I don't even know how to put it into words. But what was, up, I mean, what was up with them, man? It was it just Fitzpatrick, aka Mr. Conor McGregor, just looked like he was just a, a, a legend yesterday. I mean, this dude was out here running, running, running touchdowns like he was doggone Michael Vick yesterday. I mean, what happened, man? I can't believe that the New Orleans Saints will allow Fitzpatrick seem like he's been around forever. I, like I, I said this earlier today, if if you timed Fitzpatrick in the 40 and <laughs> get 30 yards, he would still run a 5-5 five, five flat. Yeah. In the 40. 
because and and he was. But what happened was he had a lot of room, so he was smart. He didn't throw into uh, any double coverage. Or he didn't. He didn't. Uh, he wasn't stupid with the ball. He wasn't dumb with the ball. He protected the ball, and when nothing was there, he took it down to run. I was very surprised. I did not think that they were going to uh, to play that way. I didn't think that uh, Fitzpatrick had it in him like that. So it, it caught me totally off guard. And especially the because Drew Brees still had a good game over three hundred yards and I think three touchdowns. Yeah, four thirty nine yesterday. Uh, uh, four, I'm sorry, yeah, four thirty nine and, and three touchdowns. So, I mean, Drew Brees was doing Drew Brees stuff, but by the same token, man, I don't know what was going on with with uh, their defense. Yeah, man, I think I think, and not to mention, I think when they got ahead, I mean, it was like um, uh, the, the first quarter, it was like fourteen. I think they got like fourteen a fourteen zip head start on them. Before New Orleans even got the ball, uh, before they got even started on on, on the offensive side, but um, yeah, man, I, that defense, you know, last year wasn't the best defense in the league. I think they were right around the middle middle of the ground, a middle of the road team as far as defensive rankings go. But it was more of that uh, bend but don't break defense. You know, you know, they gave up a lot of plays. They were able to sit there and have the team march down the field on them, but they were only able to get three points or, you know, wasn't able to convert that fourth down. So. Uh, uh, Sean Payton definitely has a lot of questions to answer on that on that game because I think it took the league by storm as far as what the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks was able to do. And you know, I think we may have slept on them as well. They do got a lot of uh, on the outside. They do have a lot of weapons. You know, I I completely whipped on the fact that they still got Deshaun Jackson. Um, he was out here. He was out here looking like he was the Deshaun Jackson of the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, um, yeah. They have Mike Evans, who's also a bona fide stud. Um, O.J. Howard is a nice guy that they, you know, that people keep sleeping on. Um, the tight end out of Alabama. So I think you and I think the league may have slept on the Bucks real too quick with um, with Jamin Winston possibly being out, you know, three games with the suspension of possibly that fourth game, you know, that it falls on a Thursday night that he more than likely won't play that as well. Um, if Fitzpatrick pulls this off next week, do we have a quarterback controversy? Of course, they've been looking for a reason to get rid of James Winston anyway. I mean, the Bucks kind of like him, but by the same token, he's just because he's been the big name there. But it's not they, they can't put up with, with James Winston's antics for too much longer. And, and you know, it's going to be like and, – and I support James Winston. I like James Winston, but by the same token, it's like what what what's next, James? I mean, you 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 had the problems in uh, – the issues in college – you know, mm-hmm. they let you make it on that. You came into the league. You had issues with that now. And I, they're literally going to be like, well, what's next? And I think the next thing is going to get him cut anyway. So I think they've come back. They're going to be like, hey, Jameis, sit here for a while. Maybe they give him a, a big spoon of reality to be like, you're going to watch now since mm-hmm. you got yourself all caught up in being the uh, face of the franchise. Yeah, man. And not to mention, like you said, he had the incident with the crab legs just walking out like he owned the story with some king crab. I mean, I don't know about you, bro, but – uh. King Crab ain't cheap, man, and I ain't gonna lie. Like we done had a couple of uh, family reunion events, and I just had to have to slap some tags around at, at yeah. Sam's Club and sit there and get away with some King Crab. So, uh, I, I mean, I don't know anybody who could just walk on out the store unless they own it, unless their name is Smiths, Smiths or Mister Kroger, man, that could just walk out with some Alaskan King Crab. So, uh, but they had know, the hookup though. That, that's yeah. what it was. You know, they, <laughs> yeah, he thought had he had the hookup until the folks that thing uh, rolled up on him. He had to hook yeah. up a couple of days before until. Uh, Management started looking at that uh, King Crab uh, invoice that they was getting, man, and sitting mm-hmm. looking at. So, uh, yeah, every, you know the whole that incident. Then they had the whole, you know, 
the, 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 the female off the field issue and now this whole incident with an Uber driver. Um, yeah, James Winston has been suspect. I thought last year, you know, he had kind of turned around and I almost started believing in him. You know, they, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers went on a nice winning streak and, uh, you know, there was a story that they did on him that he wrote a handwritten letter to every person on the team. And I was like, you know what, this brother man might be all right, but, uh, you know, something else. It's always something, you know, you do 10 good things, but 11 wrong things. And they always going to remember that one extra wrong thing that you do, man. So, yeah. you know, I, ho- I hope he gets it together. Um, I think he's a great player on the field, but, man, he does a lot of bonehead things off the field. So, you know, hopefully this is the one where he kind of realizes that, you know, this ain't nothing to be playing with being the fact that this was his first ever suspension. But, uh, you know, moving on to a next game, man, uh, that kind of caught my eye was the uh, San Francisco 49ers and the Minnesota Vikings. I actually was able to take the liberty of watching that wire to wire where the Minnesota Vikings was able to prevail 16-24 against the, the full first full season debut of Jimmy Graham, as well as the first season as a Minnesota Viking for uh, for Kirk Cousins. Um, you mean Jimmy Garoppolo? Jim, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo. What did I say? Jimmy Graham? Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. I probably said. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo had somewhat of a pedestrian game. Um, went 15 for 33 for 261 through one touchdown and three interceptions. Um, uh, yeah, man. I, You know, you and I discussed it yesterday on the show. I haven't been on the Jimmy Garoppolo train since he got put over to San Francisco last year. And... I'm not going to give him – I'm going to give him the benefit of doubt and say, yes, he did play against the Minnesota Vikings, which probably has the best defense in, in the NFL. I mean, if you look at, if you look at that, that whole the, – the lineup as far as their defensive line, they got a bona fide – they have one stud there. You know, they have a linebacker crow or core that's really good. Their DBs are amazing. Um, Xavier Rhodes is probably one of the best shutdown cornerbacks in the league. So, um, you know, I, I definitely would say uh, – that uh, Jimmy G may have, you know, I might give him the benefit of the doubt of the first one, but uh, he de- they definitely showed holes in his game as well as he doesn't really have a lot of help on the outside. Uh, Marquise Goodwin got hurt around the first quarter and didn't look the same and practically didn't even play the second half. Uh, Pierre Garçon kind of got banged up in the first uh, first quarter as well. Man, this dude was out here depending on like the third string tight end as well as the fullback out here on some of these fly routes. So, um, working with what he's got, I think if he has a little bit more weapons, um, it, it may work out. But uh, McKinnon was out, so you know they didn't really have a run game there. Uh, you know they depended on Alfred Morris. I mean, I forgot he was in the league still. So um, it was very interesting that uh, you know I, I, it kind of went the way I thought it was going to go. But uh, it was definitely um, an eye opener, probably for the 49ers to think that uh, you know this dude may take him to the bottom of the slam. What would you take on that, man? Uh, I just looked at it like that as well. Uh, you know, we knew coming into the season, and we said yesterday about J- uh, Marquise Goodwin was the only uh, option that Jimmy G had, especially when losing J- uh, Jaron McKinnon. Mm-hmm. So, and if, if you lose Marquise Goodwin, which is your only downfield threat, then you don't have anything. Plus, uh, it was going to be a hard game for them because, like you said, Minnesota Vikings do have a great defense, and they have a ball control offense. So, yes. I didn't see San Francisco winning that game. At all, and it's going to be interesting uh, to see if if they're going to pick up any, if they, I mean, what they're going to do at the wide receiver position. I mean, Des Bryant is still out there. He I was just be, about to ask you that. I was going to say, do you call Des Bryant at this point? Yeah, uh, you do, and you know, I think Des so Bryant. Yeah, Des Bryant has been um, he been hitting around at some other things. Des may be headed to the East Coast, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, no, we just is something we have to see, but the San Francisco Forty ers definitely need to find another uh, a, a wide receiver that's out there 
I don't even know if they can make a trade for one. Uh, it's just too early in the season, I know, but eventually they're going to have to get somebody. Uh, you won't, uh, Jimmy G won't be able to showcase his uh, skills and his talent at all because he ain't going to have nobody to throw to. I think you definitely give Des Bryant a call at this point. Um, he's the biggest name out there. Um, I think he probably will listen. I know there's some scuttlebutt that uh, he's been reaching out to the Redskins. Um, but I, I definitely think you take that chance on Des Bryant. Um, give him a call, see what he's thinking, see where his mindset is because – you know, you just never know. And at this point, we don't know what Marquise Goodwin's injury is. We don't know how much love Pierre Garçon's going to last. Uh, they got a cat named Pettis that was pretty pretty nice that uh, caught a nice little long ball. But um, other than that, bro, the Niners need help on the outside as well. You know, the McKinnon injury is super-duper unfortunate as well. I know they expected a lot of big things with him. But uh, Dalvin Cook, you know, he, he showed out yesterday coming off of that ACL injury as well. So, um, yeah, well, it's it, the, the, the 49ers, I don't think that uh, – the promised land is just there yet for them, for their quest for six rings. But, uh, you know, I think he did show a little bit, a couple of flashes. But you only can work with what you got, man, at the end of the day. And uh, Minnesota was a, we did an amazing job as far as exposing him. But uh, uh, we're going to move on to another game I know that has you near and dear to your heart, BB, which would be the uh, Houston Texans against the New England Patriots, man. Um, I, I've been saying this whole time that the Houston Texans is probably my biggest sleeper this year. And uh, they played the New England Patriots and, you know, came so close. But uh, fell a little bit short with the score being twenty-seven twenty. Patriots, man. What you? What, I'm gonna let you take the floor first on that. Um, I guess my my only issue, my problem is, is that you know, especially the buzz out here. I had to tell the Houston Texans fans, you know, calm down a little bit. Don't 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 uh, jump off the ship just yet. Stop panicking because you know they're still going to you know they're still going to be they're, they're still going to be good. Um, but they just they just went up against the best team in the AFC. Not only going up against the best team in the AFC, they were rusty, especially Definitely. with their defense. Definitely. And, uh, you know, there was that controversial call as far as that Gronkowski couch and, uh, you know, Bill O'Brien not even trying to call that timeout to see if the upstairs booth would even replay it. Uh, I mean, how come he didn't call the timeout, man? Oh, man, that's, that's, that's typical Bill O'Brien, though. And that's the one thing that the, the, the Texas fans, too, have always complained about is his time management skills mm-hmm. and his, his, his time management and his game management skills. And he came out today and apologized um, about what he said yesterday. He's like, yesterday he said that it wasn't, it's not my job. And then today he came out and, you know, said somebody else had the flag and, you know, gave all these other reasons on why he uh, he didn't call the timeout and he should have called the timeout. He says hindsight is twenty twenty, and so. But yeah, Bill, that that is your job, though. That that's your right. job. And anytime you know you got anything so close to that, so close to that, with three timeouts, just go ahead and waste the timeout. And, and you know, only thing they can only thing they can do is say no. But that's what I always say. And so, right. Um, the thing that bothered me too, though, was the fact that the refs did not. The refs did not um, buzz down, so it's it's like a, it's like a twofold problem. Right. Bill O'Brien should have called the timeout, but the refs. This is on the refs as well because that was entirely too close not to buzz down and take another look at it. Yeah, man, I definitely would like to talk to someone like uh, Ed Hockey or somebody at the league office if I ever had a chance to, and just kind of ask him that question on. What 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 determines when they actually come come from New York City to call down to some of these. Uh, these games where these calls are super duper questionable is definitely a question because there's some plays where I'm like, why are we even discussing this? Like, why is this even going to the booth? Why we got the people out here giving uh, 
uh, give, give these Microsoft surfaces um, some free publicity where they got the dude out there standing holding that tablet. Um, I, I, don't, I don't understand what some of these are so, you know, obvious that it doesn't even go to the booth. And then you got plays like last night where you would imagine should have been, should have went upstairs regardless. So that's definitely a question. And there needs to be some type of level of consistency where, you know, any type of questionable play that, you know, it's almost a no bueno should be, should be getting reviewed or, you know, maybe they need to look into the challenge, uh, challenge, challenge uh, rule book a little bit more, but I feel like, I feel like they do tweak it enough. And, you know, for the most part, I think they do get it right. But there are, you know, when you got a, a game that close and it's deciding down to that, you know, I definitely think that it should have been, uh, it should have at least went upstairs and, you know, been for review, but, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson, you know, he did look a little rusty, but, uh, you know, it, it'll wear out. You know, I would say I'd give him about a good month or so before he starts balling out again. But uh, and that's you know, the one thing. That, that's the one thing I was telling the. Uh, that's the one thing that I, I I've been saying all day, and I even said this on the show. You know, your four four your four top players, pretty much. Well, your four out of your five top players, in in uh, JJ Watt, and Jadavion Clowney, and uh, Bernard. Mc, uh, I'm sorry, not Bernard. Uh, and uh, Whitney Merciless. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Deshaun Watson, they're all coming off injuries. I mean, you had three of those players who hadn't played since last year. Mm-hmm. Clowney finished out the season, but Clowney didn't play not Clowney didn't play really too much, not a whole lot in um in the preseason. In preseason, and so you got three of your defensive stalwarts trying to get their legs back up under them, and they're not like a receiver, and they're not like a running back. Like there's some big guys, so it takes them a little while to get themselves back in game shape, and that's what I was. Uh, I was impressed by by the second half. They they kind of got it together. They started to play a little bit better, and they held the New England Patriots to only six points in the second half after giving up twenty one in the first. Right. And one right. of those one of those touchdowns was due to the fact that Deshaun Watson fumbled on the first play. It's a lot of nervous energy. But you got to think about it like this, man. He's hurt. He's torn both ACLs, and the last yes. one, the last one he uh, he tore last year, uh, going into week seven, he tore that just in practice. Exactly. Accident, he just tore it. And so Mm -hmm. he has to be nervous about getting out of the pocket now, about playing again. What if I get hit? Right. Yeah, I definitely think once you tear both ACLs, man, you definitely have that linger in the back of your mindset and just the whole – the hard work and the effort that you have to put in just on the rehab side alone, let alone on a a football, that that, that part is definitely brutal. It definitely puts you in the mindset of you got to definitely – you know, take things into consideration, you know, but uh, I believe in Houston, Texas, man. And I definitely think they'll be able to bounce back this week and we'll see what ends up happening. But uh, moving on, man, we definitely got to talk about this one because this one is another game that had the whole nation uh, up in the war, which would be, uh, I don't think I could ever, if a team could sit there and lose 30, 31, what is it? 30, 31 out of 32 games and end that losing streak with a tie it got to be the Cleveland Browns, man. That's the only way. That's the Cleveland Browns' way of do- ending things, man. And uh, needless to say, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns ended in a tie uh, at 21 all yesterday. And basically, Pittsburgh gave every way. They gave that game away so many times for the Browns to sit there and win. And the Browns still cannot sit there and close the book and get their first win of the year. I don't even know where to begin on this. I, uh, I, I don't know where, you know. You know, they, they're talking about Le'Veon Bell needed to come back, but James James Conner, you know, he balled out yesterday with, with 135 yards on the ground. I think he had two touchdowns. But, um, I you know, I, play, I personally, I play the game on Ben Roethlisberger. You can't sit there and have five turnovers in a game and expect to win. 
Um, you can't throw three interceptions in the first in the first half and expect to win any game. I don't care if you're playing playing the doggone uh, the be- the best team in the state of Texas. You're not going to beat any team turning the ball over five times. And the fact that you guys got to walk out with a tie, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers should be uh, very very fortunate on that alone. And I and yes, and I agree. I agree that the Steelers got lucky on that. Uh, two things were at play in that game. One, uh, it finally, it, I mean, not finally, but it showed you that the Cleveland Browns are trying to turn a corner and, uh, you know, any other team would have finished the team off. They gave up five turnovers, especially to them, but Cleveland hasn't learned how to win yet. When you are one in 31 in the last two years now, well, one thirty-one and one, but when exactly. you won 31 in, in the last two years as far as before that game, you don't know how to win. They haven't developed a culture on how to win, how mm-hmm. to win. Within those last two years, in the last two years, they have been in some games. Some of the games the Cleveland Browns have been in, but because the culture hasn't been a winning one and it's always been a losing culture, they don't um they don't know how to finish. And so you know, Ben gave up five. Uh, ben turned the ball over what five times. On five times, yeah. And mm-hmm. so they just they just did not know how to finish. And on the other hand, uh, is the one thing that I said last week. You have a running back who's averaging eighty yards for the. I mean, I'm sorry, eighty receptions. Excuse me, eighty receptions in the last two years in Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm. You cannot just remove that. Eight, 80, 80 catches. Um. That's a lot for anybody. Two years and over 1,200 yards rushing. So you can't just remove that out of your lineup and think that you're going to be okay by just insert running back here. Le'Veon Bell is more than just a a running back. That's what he wants to get paid as an offensive weapon, and he is Mm -hmm. an offensive weapon. The second thing is um, people don't want to admit that Ben Roethlisberger is in decline. He is declining now, and by him declining – you can tell if, if Le'Veon is averaging 80 catches like that, Ben is doing a lot of uh, dropping in the flats. So on yesterday, he actually had to try to get the ball down the field. He made some horrible throws. And so he's starting to show a, a decline. Right, and you're absolutely right. And if I'm not mistaken, he played terrible in that doggone division round against the Jacksonville Jaguars, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if, if, if my memory recalls me, he had a whole lot of turnovers as well. Um, I actually he did throw one interception, but uh, yeah, he has been on the decline. And I think Le'Veon Bell does cover up a lot of his holes and his keys um, as far as, you know, his, some of his flaws. So I think having that security blanket with Le'Veon Bell does bend a little bit right. But I think yesterday was his perfect example of why you need to pay that man. Uh, he definitely deserves every dime and he definitely deserves offensive weapon money. This dude ain't just the best running back in the league. You, you know, if, I think if you change that two and put an eight in front of that 26 and turn him into an 86 as a receiver, he'd probably be one of the better uh, receivers in the league as well. So, um, okay. yeah, it, it, it's, it's a tough situation. Um, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers have said that they don't plan on resetting this franchise franchise uh, tag as well, nor do they plan on trading him. I guess, you know, what, what does that le- end up leading into, man? Uh, that's Who going to blink first? That's what I should say. So Le'Veon, Le'Veon doesn't have to blink until week 11, actually. Mm-hmm. And as long as uh, – if they don't rescind the, the franchise tag, Le'Veon Bell can walk in week 11 of the season and get paid for the entire season. And so mm-hmm. even though he missed 10 games, he could still come in. Uh, make, what, 14 mil, right? Yeah, he could still make $14.5 million. And if they try to franchise tag him next year, he's going to make seventeen point nine. So – Although he won't get the money that uh, Kirk Cousins made, 
you know, because Kirk Cousin made out like a bandit. Fully can guarantee. Yeah, I'm talking about for the French when he was being. Oh yeah, he yeah, he made like over thirty some mil. Oh, he was he made more than think about it for I think like three years straight he got like twenty yeah. plus million. Yeah, he was getting paid so, fettuccine. Oh yeah, and for a quarterback who has never done who, mm-hmm. who never done a thing. Yeah, a mediocre a mediocre quarterback getting that type of money, and so you look at uh, Le'Veon Bell, and plus here's where the here, here's where what's gonna hurt the um, here's what's gonna hurt the the Pittsburgh Steelers. Todd Gurley has a forty five million dollar guarantee contract, yep. and not only not only that, Jared McKinney made got eleven million guaranteed and then he went out for the season. We almost seen Brett Favre go out last night. I mean Brett Favre. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers we almost seen Aaron Rodgers go out for the season. And Le'Veon is just making his case. I mean they're they're making a case like, listen, uh these these you know, I want my guaranteed money because this could be me. Mm-hmm. I could be you know, I could get hurt. Delaney Walker, the Tyler uh, Tennessee is out for the year. Uh, not to mention, kind of piggyback off that uh, thing, and also uh, David Johnson just got paid twenty mil guaranteed, coming off of a dislocated wrist last year. So yeah, he's just trying to secure the bag and make sure that he 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 gets he gets his due diligence. And I think you do you do have to go ahead and pay that man. But uh, you know, we'll end up seeing what ends up happening, how that plays out. But uh, it's just a, a sticky situation. If the Pittsburgh Steelers want to be somewhat relevant and keep that killer bees mentality going, they definitely got to. Uh, Somebody's gonna have to sit there and just kind of, you know, swallow that pill. But like you said, I think Le'Veon Bell has all the—he has all the cards to him, and it's—it's it's, the ball's in his court for him to figure out what he wants to do. So, you and know, we'll, and let me, let me say this too, Eric. Before before we move on from this, I've been telling people time and time again, and they keep saying how Antonio Brown. Okay, yes, Antonio Brown has averaged over 100 receptions for a very long time, but without being Roethlisberger. Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown. I don't think that would be Antonio Brown. You know, yesterday, I don't know if people read his body language, but he had such bad body language, and he was complaining a lot yesterday. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah. he had that same incident. He had that same. Him and Ben have had uh, you know Run-ins. disagreements before. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's definitely something we gotta keep a look at eye on too, because when he don't get the ball. He definitely just started a lot of uh, pounding. If I'm not mistaken, didn't he throw like a Gatorade cooler around the bench uh, last year? Uh, yes, he did. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought he was out here throwing around Gatorade coolers like he was playing baseball or something. But, uh, yeah, that's something we'll definitely look out to. But uh, moving on, I think uh, another game that we got to talk about would definitely be the Cowboys against the Panthers. Um, the Cowboys only was able to scrape up eight points with the Des, the Des Bryant-less uh, receiving core. And uh, the Carolina Panthers, you know, they didn't play a beautiful game, but they did enough to win the game. Uh, man, what's up? What's up with the Cowboys? Because everybody's sitting there talking about this is the team. You know, they got Zeke Elliott. They got Dak Prescott. The team is theirs now. And uh, they're supposed to, you know, get, be taking them to the promised land. I'm going to say this. And, uh, you know, I think Des Bryant and Jason Witten uh, was able to sit there and cover up so much for Dak Prescott's mediocrity that yesterday was the first time that he got exposed as far as not being able to, you know, drive that ball down the field. What's your take on that, man? Well, I, I, um, I said this today on the show. If you go back and you look at Des, I mean, if you go back and look at Dak Prescott's last nine games, in the last nine games, Dak Prescott has thrown for over 300 yards one time. He's thrown mm-hmm. over 200 yards one time, and he's thrown under 185 yards seven times. And so – Yesterday he had 179 yards, no touchdowns, and a fumble. 
so when you look at something like that, you start to wonder, you know, the Cowboys have been making a lot of excuses for, for Dak Prescott throughout the, for, throughout his two years. Well, one year, or, you know, he had the great year, his rookie year, but then last year it was, oh, well, Dez is a problem. Uh, Zeke gone. Yeah, yeah Zeke, Zeke is not here. You got offensive line problems, the defense. And so, you know, they were making all these excuses instead of just saying, hey, Dak Prescott needs, one, a quarterback coach. Two, he needs to come off this bubble and his cloud that he's the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys and actually work on his game. See, people don't look at the, the, the little things. They don't, they don't look at the small things. There's video out there from Dak Prescott in training camp this year going against the backup quarterback and going up against Jason Garrett, his head coach, doing a little just small accuracy contest at the end. And he's, he is not accurate at all. Like, and I'm saying to myself, when is somebody else going to realize this? They they blamed Des Bryant last year, but uh, Dak threw a lot, overthrow he overthrew a lot of balls. He underthrew a lot of balls, which is the exact same thing he did yesterday. He threw a lot of balls. He had a wide he had, he had a wide open tight end going down the field, and he underthrew him with nobody. If there was no pressure, he just underthrew him, and that's Dak Prescott. He can't. He has accuracy issues. He can't throw the ball down the field, and you know he's not moving that that offense. I think last year. Uh, six times the cow. Uh, un- the six times the Cowboys scored under fifteen points last year. There were games where they had like six, six, nine, seven, and on yesterday they were only able to score eight, and that was in the fourth quarter. So Dak Prescott needs to realize, hey man, I got to get some. I I got to you know be better. I got to do better. And the Cowboys haven't put any great, any good wide receivers around him, so he's not going to get better. And there's nobody that's going to hold him accountable, especially not from the wide receivers core, and not the wide receivers core, uh, coach Sanjay Lau. He has made he, you, I can't name three people Sanjay Lau has made better in the NFL since he's been coaching. You still there, bro? Hello? Bro, you still there? Yeah, man. So I definitely agree with you on that. I don't think that wide receivers coach has ever, you know, made anybody into a bona fide stud. Um, I definitely thought that uh, Alan uh, Allen. Hearns, when, yeah, Alan Hearns was going to sit there and make it somewhat of an impact to to him coming to the Cowboys, coming from Jacksonville, being the fact that he had caught, a, you know, he had a couple of thousand yard seasons with them over there, but um, he didn't turn out. I think he got, you know, he only had one catch for 20 yards, so that was somewhat of a disappointment. Um, you know, Cole Beasley ended up being uh, Dak Prescott's somewhat of a safety valve, so yeah, man, uh, you know, I definitely think uh, them letting go of Mr. Daz Bryant is going to end up biting him in the high knee later on. You know, I think it already is showing that. And, you know, even though he wasn't a down-the-ball, you know, down-the-field ball guy, you know, he's definitely he's definitely one of those good big-time possession receivers. And, you know, it is what it is, and I don't know how they're going to re- regret – I don't know how they're going to be able to recover from something like this. But uh, they, they, got a lot of, they got a lot of issues going on. But on the other side of the ball, you know – Cam Newton looks like he's he's figuring it out. Um, he didn't play all, you know, the, the the offense didn't play all that well. You know, Greg Olson ended up getting hurt somewhat through the game, um, ended up getting out of the game and being put in a walking boot. So, you know, um, 
you know, it, hey, it might be Tampa Bay's uh, division for them to lose if the Saints don't pick it up and Carolina don't get it together either, man. I was very surprised by the Cowboys' defense. They they surprised the heck out of me on yesterday. I, I, I was very impressed on what they're going to become. Not what they were. I mean, even though they even though, you know, they lost the game, they only gave up sixteen points. Yeah. And yeah. you know, Cam fooled them a couple of times, McCaffrey fooled them a couple of times. For the most part, man, they the, that defense was in that in the game playing playing without their starting safety. So yeah, you know, once they can get Heath out the game and get their starting safety back, then it'll be good. Yeah, so I yeah, shout out to the Cowboys. You know, if you can give up 16 points to any NFL team in today's day and age, that's pretty much doing what you're supposed to do. Uh, yeah, uh, I think the, the defense will probably keep them in a lot of games, but we'll see what ends up happening with them. But uh, I think last night was the main event. Um, that uh kind of kind of took the lead kind of took the took social media by storm man uh and that would be the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers man that was two complete man i have never seen two different ball football games in two different halves like i did last night man um you know the Chicago Bears was up what 20 zip uh going into halftime or something like that and the Green Bay Packers ended up scoring 24 to 6 or something like that uh in the second half i've never seen anything like that I've never seen one player come off the bench and just wreak so much havoc within the span of three plays like Khalil Mack did yesterday. And then, you know, Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. They pull him into the Willis Reed. He out here getting pulled off in a golf cart. He comes back out and just drops dimes on top of dimes on top of dimes and turns around and wins the doggone football game for them. Um, I personally have never seen one NFL football player, well, besides Khalil Mack last night, I, and I'm going to get with that in a minute, but as far as Aaron Rodgers coming back in, pulling the Willis Reed, a.k.a. Paul Pierce moment last night, um, being able to just come back in the game and just take over a game. Like, football is probably one of, you know, you, you got 11 players on the field. The fact that this dude, just one player, can literally just make you change from a win, a loss to a win like that, I've never seen anything like it, bro. Like, this dude is by far, anybody besides Tom Brady in the NFL, this is by far that one dude, when he steps back on the field, he gives you a chance of winning. And it's just amazing when this dude plays. How many times this dude has sat there and just single-handedly won football games, man? I mean, it was crazy, bro. Yeah, and uh... – Aaron Rodgers is definitely invited to the barbecue, and he can play space with us. And he can play dominoes. I mean, when he came out in support of, you know, the silent protest in the NFL, you know, the taking the knee protest, when he came around that, you know, everybody's like, yeah, Aaron is invited to all all the cookouts. Him, him, he can bring the discount double check belt. And oh, yeah. Dog <laughs> and two agents and Clay Matthews. Like, he can bring them all, too, because Aaron, Aaron got secured his spot at, 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 the, at the Black People Barbecue. But with that being said, man, um, we talked <laughs> earlier about uh, when we talked about when we were talking about the Cleveland Browns. We talked about a franchise who does not have a winning culture and they don't know how to win, and that's the Chicago Bears. You know, th- within the last let's just say five years, they don't mm-hmm. know how to win. They have developed developed a uh, you know mindset or a culture where they excuse me they don't know how to win and. You seen that on last night. Mitchell Trubisky showed you that he ain't ready yet. He's not ready. When you got a defensive, when you when you got a defense giving you that type of effort, you got a guy who hasn't, who doesn't even know all the defensive plays yet. He's only been in camp for what four or five, four days, four or five days. Four days, been, yeah, yeah, four days with the Bears. And he comes out there and he wrecks havoc like that. Also, <laughs> the defensive coordinator. What what was your mindset? What where, where were you going? 
Like, all you have to do is put pressure on Aaron Rodgers, and you did not. You just stopped. You you went soft zone. You played to you played to lose, not to not to win. Reminded me of the Jacksonville Jaguars against the uh, New England the Patriots. New England Patriots last year in the AFC Championship game. You're playing not you're playing not to lose, but then when you play not to lose, you lose. You got to do what got you there. That's what I loved about. You know, and I hate saying this because I do not like the Philadelphia Eagles, but that's what I loved about Doug Peterson and what he did in the Super Bowl. He's like, look, we're not put, we're not coming off the gas. I don't yeah. care what it is. You, 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 we're not coming off the gas, especially not against this team. And so last night, the, the, the Bears, you know, they thought that they were, they thought that they were, you know, good. Hey, look, okay, he coming back, he hurt, but we ain't worried about that. He can't beat us on one leg. And also, let me point out something too, man. Somebody needs to take uh, Fuller, the the defense. Oh the yes, team. yes. Somebody number needs to take him to academy and buy him <laughs> sticky gloves. Or go uh, ask Odell Beckham, can he borrow some of his gloves? Because <laughs> I don't know if you heard the stat last night or not. That yes, last year he had two interceptions. They say he dropped six. Yes, and he yes. dropped that one right in his hands last night. Bro, I hate to use the analogy of the great Stevie Wonder, but I'm pretty sure he could have caught that ball last night. That was just purely <laughs> embarrassing that you are a professional football player and a ball literally just falls in your lap like that, and you just literally goof it up, man. I, I, man, that's they don't get no easier than that, man. It, it literally, I mean, think about all the hard interceptions that you've seen in the NFL just in the history. I don't think I've seen anything that that close, man. Um, but uh, moving on the other side of the ball, uh, going on to Aaron Rodgers, man, that that was just amazing what he did. I mean, we done seen it so many times. I think I can think of the Hail Mary game with the Detroit Lions. Um, that that game where you sat there, I think it was a Monday night football game. I mean, this dude, when the light shines the brightest, this man is never there to fail. And, you know, I, I hope I really do hope that he does end up getting another Super Bowl ring, just nothing, just two. But the fact that this man is I think he's going to go down as probably one of the greatest of all time um, when it's all said and done. Um, I just you hope know, it's he, so funny. He's gonna go down. He's gonna go down as that, and you know, and and I'm not. This isn't a knock on him, but like he's only won one Super Bowl. Yeah, that's the only thing, man, and that's what I was getting with. He's only gotten one. Uh, they've been in the playoffs, I think, eight years straight at one point with him leading the helm. But uh, yeah, man, I don't, I don't know, you know. And then on top of that, you know, they've had a couple of flaky uh, seasons where they had some. Uh, some issues on the defensive side of the ball, but uh, you know, moving on the other side of the rock, man, we got to talk about Khalil Mack, bro. Uh, I have been probably the biggest, uh, uh, I you know, I was I wasn't shocked. I'll say this: I wasn't shocked that Khalil Mack got traded, but I also was thinking. I think I asked you this a few weeks ago, bro, and I don't know if you remember this conversation we had that I asked you simply: Is Khalil Mack worth that money? And I've been trying to question it. I've been trying to sit there and. and, and and do just by saying, is he really worth? I've been questioning that the whole time. Is he worth a hundred million dollars? Is he worth ninety mil? Is he worth Von, Von Miller slash Aaron Donald money? And I'm gonna tell you right now, BB, I almost cried watching uh, the first half of the game last night when that man stepped on the field. I was almost in the tears, man, because I didn't realize how much of a good player this dude was until he sat there and stepped on the field. I think like the second play, he had like what a sack, a forced fumble. Then the next play, then the next possession, this dude doggone had a, a pick six. I said, what in the world is going on here? Like, this dude was literally unstoppable. And like you said, the brother man has only been on the team for four or five days. He don't know all the defensive plays. And I guess the benefit that you can give him is that all his job is to do is just rush the quarterback. And I mean, it don't get no simpler than that. But I know there's a lot of different techniques. You got stunts. 
Um, you got to sit there and play the passing, uh, the flats and whatnot. So the fact that he just came in and just wreaked so much havoc in the span of what, 15, 15 real time minutes, man. I ain't never seen nothing like that, bro. Oh, me either, man. I, 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 it's been, it's been a minute since I've seen somebody wreak havoc like that since Lawrence Taylor. Yeah. Lawrence Taylor used to wreak havoc like that, bro. It's just like, uh, 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 he was a, a, a immovable object. Charles Haley used to do the exact same mm-hmm. thing, you know. Um, and so seeing Reggie him White. do that, yeah, Reggie White, seeing him do that, man, on a limited amount of, um, you know, a limited amount of practice and things like that, I was very surprised. Yeah, I thought he was going to sit there and, uh, you know, get a couple of hurries, but I didn't think, like, within the first play he stepped on the field, he was out here sacking the dog on court. He's sacking Aaron Rodgers and and forcing fumbles and having pick sixes all in one half. I think he had, like, two sacks, a forced fumble, and a pick six. Like, that's, that's like, two weeks' worth of work right there he did in, like, five plays. I mean, that man literally earned his $100 million, $90 million paycheck right there in, like, five plays, bro. Like, I ain't never yep. seen nothing like it. And, and now that we got to transition into that, bro, like – we're we going to go ahead and talk about what the Raiders and the Rams got to do tonight. But uh, I think I think right now, as a Raiders fan, a diehard Raiders fan, John Gruden got a lot of explaining to do. I don't know if you heard about this story, but the story broke out is that when John Gruden got hired as the new Raiders coach uh, for the second time, is that right around the February time frame, they reached out to Khalil Mack. Um, Khalil Mack said, you know, his, his team said that this is the number that he, he would like to get paid. The Raiders simply said no and didn't call him back at all. Like, yeah. didn't call him at all. Like, they didn't call him until they called him to let him know that he had been traded, bro. Like, what part of negotiate? Like, negotiation is where, okay, hey, BB, this is how much I think I'm worth. You're going to say, nah, this is what we think you're worth. And then you guys try to find somewhat of a middle ground. Not, no, I'm going to sit there and uh, I'm worth X amount of dollars. And you say, no, and then that's it. Like, that, that that's an opening, an opening door, shut door case right there. Like, what what is going on with the Raiders, man? Like they done sat there and let go Khalil Mack. They didn't know that Martavius Bryant was gonna sit here and be suspended another year before they traded away another draft pick. I mean, what? I mean, I, I don't know what to what to put into it. Yeah, they got some draft picks on the other end, but you know, at the end of the day, you could have at least tried to sit there and franchise tag them for for goodness sakes. Because after seeing that, what I saw last night, it, it's it's even worse, bro. Like that. That trade is just looking a little bit worse. I don't know what their draft, you know, they do got, what, four first-rounders within the next two years where they can build off of it. But, man, I, I, I've i never seen anything, you know, I, I would definitely say right now the Bears won the trade, and I almost want to say they got, they fleeced the Raiders right now, man. Almost definitely, man. Uh, but like I said, man, we, we watched on Saturday, you know, we, we watched the uh, Clemson Tigers play, and their front four, they're all going in the first round. I can guarantee you that, like, they couldn't be stopped, and they're, they they can't be stopped. And so maybe Gruden will get – maybe that's what Gruden is going to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think this is the first year that I could say, you know, I do I, – I would be very surprised if the, uh, if the Raiders don't finish last in the division. Um, I, I, I just don't see a lot on the – I mean, the, not to mention, bro, the defense was terrible as it was last year. Now you're telling me that you're going to depend on the great Bruce Irvin to be your sack leader on the team? And no, no shade to Bruce Irvin. I think he's a great player, but I don't see him as a as your corner, your your keystone leading pass rusher on, on the defensive side of the ball. I think he's a, a great supplement, and he was able to get to the quarterback so much because he had a guy like Khalil Mack on the other side. Um, it's going to be very interesting what the Raiders' defense is going to look like this year. They have probably one of the worst secondaries in league, probably in league history. I think last year they didn't even get a, 
a takeaway until like week 14 or week 15. So it was, it was, it's nuts, man. But uh, going into the game tonight, what do you expect to see with the Raiders against the Rams? A blowout. <laughs> a, a, a blowout. I, I see. I mean, first of all, man, the Rams are loaded, bro. And you know that you know that they were trying to get Khalil Mack as well. Yes, I saw that. They said they were trying to get him on a one year deal to see how it was going to play out with him, Aaron Donald, and the Dominican Sue on that defensive line. What is this? Yep. Steel curtain back in the seventies, bro. Yep, <laughs> bro. That would have been that. That would have been. Uh, they, 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 on paper, they would have been Super Bowl champions already, but. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm gonna say I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and say again, like I said on yesterday when I said about the Bucks versus the Saints, uh, I don't see the Raiders doing anything to even remotely scare the um the, uh, the the yeah the L.A. Rams. I just David Carr. I mean David Carr. Derek. Derek Carr, man. It's, listen, man. I live in Houston, bro. So you yeah, I get you. Yeah, you I say you. Carr, the first thing you think of is David, and you know. He he was a battered car as many times he got hit his first year here. But uh, <laughs> the uh, Derek Carr, I, I like Derek Carr as a person. Mm-hmm. Derek Carr as a quarterback that got this huge contract has not proved anything to me yet. No, not at all, at all. Um, I don't think he's proved to me anything as well. But on the flip side, man, I'll tell you somebody who's been somewhat of a disappointment that nobody really seems to talk about is Amari Cooper. I mean, Amari Cooper, I think his second season had uh, – led the league and dropped passes. And last year, I mean, he didn't do nothing, man. And if it wasn't for Michael Crabtree, and I still don't understand why they let go of Michael Crabtree and went out and got Jordan Nelson, because Michael Crabtree showed out yesterday against Baltimore. But uh, that's for another time. I still feel some type of way about that. It's like, I don't know what John Gruden is thinking about when he's making these personnel moves. You let go of Michael Crabtree, who played there for two or three seasons, who had a thousand, who was a Pro Bowl, I think, a couple of times with those times he was at the Raiders. You just let him walk. And you get a Jordy Nelson who's on the decline, who's coming off of the ACL injury, who's shown that he hasn't been able to recover since that. And you sign him to a fat contract and, and, and you just let Mike, Michael Crabtree go. And then you're expecting Amari Cooper to sit there and, and, and bounce back. So I think this is a make it break year for Mario Cooper because he's definitely got some a lot of explaining to do if he wants to be a big time uh, paid receiver out here. If he wants Did to get Bryce Butler, too. Uh, we ended up I think we did get Bryce Butler and I think they ended up getting uh, Brandon LaFell, too. So. I, you know, I, I, I don't know why they thought about getting Martavius Bryant if they knew that this year-long suspension was going because they practically just gave the Steelers a free draft pick, man. So I don't know what they're going to do if they're going to be able to recoup some of that money, but it is what it is. But, yeah, I expect a blowout, man. I don't even think it's going to be close. I don't think they're going to win a lot of games, bro. I think I'm going to take the under six, you know, under five games that they don't even touch this year. So, uh, yeah, but, you know, that's, that's all we got right now for the week, uh, week one games uh, leading into the uh, Monday night games as well. But there's definitely a subject that I definitely want to talk about that I'm somewhat of a little bit torn on. Um, for those well, of you Wait, know, wait, ho- hold on, bro. Hold on, hold on. We got one more game, bro. You're missing one. Go ahead. Go ahead and let him know on that one. Uh, right now in the third quarter, the New York Jets, led by Sam uh, Darnold, is uh, – Beating the Detroit Lions twenty four seventeen, he threw a pick six on his first. first pass, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. since then he's thrown two touchdowns. So yeah, I just wanted to you know let you know that. Yeah, so yeah, and I appreciate that battle. You know that's what we do. We cover each other sixes. You know, we do some maintain some housework around here. But um, yeah, um, so far from what I've seen from San Darno, besides that first pick six, I mean, he looked like he maintained and doing what he's supposed to do. I did see uh, Matt uh. Lord, I'm looking at the man right now. Uh, the quarterback, Stafford. Stafford he got he got banged up in the first 
right around the end of the first half. So I hope he he, he can maintain. But uh, and he just threw another interception. It looked like it's about to be another pick six. So it looks like the New York Jets might be something not to be played with this year. Um, I know they had somewhat of a good season last year as far as the defensive side of the ball. They weren't that bad on defense. It was just offense. They could have moved the rock at all. So it'll be definitely interesting to see if this New York Jets team is for real. But they up right now, thirty going on 31-17 against the uh, Detroit Lions, man. And I thought the Detroit Lions was going to be a little – I thought they were going to probably be the second best team in that NFC – or third, third best team possibly on the cusp of maybe getting in the wild card. But um, – you know, I've never really been a fan of their receiver core. Um, I think Golden Tate is really, really a, a small slot guy. Um, Galloway is okay. And, you know, Marvin Jones, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, but I, I, I've never been a fan of their receiving core, man. Yeah, I, I, I haven't either, bro. I'm yeah. not at all, period. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like I said, you know, we're going to move on. Definitely some other stuff took place this weekend in sports in the sports world. You know, we don't only just talk football. We talk about everything, man. When I say everything – we all say everything around here. So uh, um, Saturday um, during the U.S. Open finals, we had uh, Serena, the great Serena Williams play against Naomi Osaka. Um, so I was this actually kind of had my attention just due to the fact that some of y'all may not know. My mom is actually from Japan. So I am half Japanese and half African-American. Uh, Naomi Osaka is actually half Asian and half, half Haitian and half Japanese as well. So but she represents the uh, country of Japan. She actually moved to Florida right around when she was about three years old or so. So she kind of had my attention. And she also, when she won her semifinals going into the finals, she had called out Serena Williams and said that, hey, if I'm going to be here, I want to play the best. And it's Serena Williams. Why not? You know, she had played Serena Williams in a tournament earlier this year and beat her um, pretty handedly as well. But Serena just, she wasn't the Serena Williams as far as what we're all knowing. So she had just came off from maternity to leave. And, you know, that definitely takes a toll. But the fact that she went out there and still completed is definitely hats off. But there was some, uh, there was some scuttlebutt that took place where there was, and I didn't even know this, you know, I always think in any sport you can have coaching, but Serena's coach may have gave like a hand gesture uh, to Serena. They called a violation on her. Uh, for supposedly cheating uh, or coaching. She was getting coaching from her coach um, that I didn't know about. Um, then there was a, after that took place, she ended up tossing the racket out of frustration. And then she went on somewhat of a, she, she expressed herself. I'm going to go ahead and say express herself because I'm getting into detail about that as well, where she expressed that she was not cheating this whole time. And the referee ended up, I guess, practically saying that the next point, Osaka ends up winning the tournament. And let me just backtrack. Osaka was giving Serena the business. Like, she was sitting there just working Serena the whole match. So, um, it may have, you know, looking at it, if they would have played out, Serena may have lost regardless. But um, it, it looked like the next match point was the championship match. And, unfortunately, Serena Williams ended up losing. Uh, Naomi Osaka ended up becoming the first ever Japanese uh, Japanese representative player to ever win a Grand Slam champion in the sport of tennis. So, you know, it looks like Serena got fined $17,000 today for her um, expression. But she did bring up a good point is that you see men players get so much different far superior treatment. And Serena Williams is this, um, uh, you know, unique player, a one of the once in a generation player who's had to sit there and overcome so much, um, you know, she ended up going, you know, going overcoming so much that, you know, she's the oddball, unfortunately, in the, in the, on the women's side of tennis. So, you know, she brought up the fact that men are able to get away with so much. And she, you, she didn't call anybody in a four-letter word. She called the man a thief for stealing a point away from her. And to me, and, 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 and that's just, that's just not the way you do things, man. And, you know, unfortunately, 
Naomi Osaka didn't get her due diligence, you know, but Serena did try to make it up and she tried to, you know, she tried, she did, she played the part and her, after the, after the, uh, her press conference, she definitely brought up some good points is that she's trying to fight for equality for everyone so that, um, no one else has to go through this and that everybody should be on a playing field. But, uh, shame on that was shame on the referee, man. And you know, you never, you never let a referee decide what, what the players, what the player's outcome is going to be just no different from the last 30 seconds of an NBA basketball game. You want to see, sit there and see the, sit there and see the players play it out. Just like in the Super Bowl, you know, last, last possession of the game, you don't want to see no passion offense. You want to see them, see, see players play and let them figure it out themselves. And the fact that the referee called cheating on Serena Williams for maybe something quote unquote coaching, that's just bad juju. When just oh, two weeks ago, we sat there and seen a referee jump down from his chair, reach out to a male, male uh, Australian tennis player, and sit there and give him a pep talk, a.k.a. otherwise known as coaching, and there was no outrage over that, man. So I'm definitely for Team Serena on this one, man. I was just completely classless, and if I'm Serena Williams, bro, I'm not playing nothing until this man publicly apologizes to her, bro. Well, uh, you have to look at it like this. Um... I, I'm in agreement with everything that you said. And, you know, as I did some research and, uh, and as I talked about it today, come to find out this guy, Carl, his name is Carlos Ramos. And he, now don't get me wrong. They, they, they regard him as one of the best refs or umps in tennis, but he has so many, there, there's so many things that come with him that a lot of people, a, a lot of people ne- probably never even knew about it until Serena brought it to light by bringing him to light because uh, I, he just interjected himself in the, in the wrong way. He shouldn't have never been part of that. Uh, he shouldn't have never been part of uh, the, uh, the discussion when it came to that. Now he said that Serena was cheating. Let's just, let's just start right there. He said that Serena was mm-hmm. cheating. If you go back and you look at the video, Serena, when she looks up, when she looks up at her coach, she thinks that he's giving her the thumbs up. Because and he says I was coaching her. Of course, we've all coached. Mm-hmm. We've all coached her. Uh, uh, I can't remember the uh, Sharapova was playing against Venus one time in a tennis match. And Venus had to put her finger to her lips and tell her dad, "Stop talking in Russian. We know you're coaching." Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's happening on, on numerous occasions. The men do it all the time. So it's like it's like a rule. It's like an unwritten rule that that's what they do anyway. So for this. For this uh, ump to do that, for him to call her out, and you know, a lot of people didn't don't don't realize this, but if you go back and look, there's video evidence of him calling out Venus for the exact same thing. So now it makes it look like, do you have a person vendetta against? Do you have a person vendetta against the Williams sisters? And uh, you did uh, Djokovic like that this year, and uh, at at the Wimbledon, you find him, but you didn't find him a game. Mm-hmm. What you did to Serena, you took it over the top. Yes. Serena got fined seventeen thousand dollars in nineteen ninety. John McEnroe was only fined sixty five hundred dollars, and he squared up to a woman, cussed her out, mm-hmm. cussed out a referee, cussed out a ump, broke his racket, threw a temper tantrum, and they only fined him sixty five hundred dollars. Right, and like you said, this Carlos Ramos dude seem, does seem like he he does have someone. Maybe you know it may look like a personal vendetta, but at the same time, you know, I, there, there's so many different things that that, that took place. That you can take take it let take it as a lesson learned, man. The, you know, I definitely appreciate Serena Williams' coach. Even a minute, he was like, "Yeah, I was coaching her." He was like, "You can look up my records. I've never been penalized for coaching, and numbers don't lie. He's never been penalized." But the fact that he didn't even try to sit there and take, you know, he definitely was open about it. He said, "Yeah, I was coaching her, and 
you know, the other team, the other uh, Osaka's coach was coaching her too, but you didn't say nothing to her. Um, you know, I definitely what took me what took me around most was was Serena at the podium. You know, they they had a whole bunch of boo birds and they kind of took a little bit away from Osaka. But you know, Serena definitely did what she had to do and just kind of just said, "Hey, this ain't about me." Let's you know, took the cat off to the young lady. She did her thug this on and, and manned up and uh, beat me. But you know, it, it it just shows you, man, that we got so much work to do for equality for everyone. Um, I'm definitely for equality for everyone. Anytime I see women empowerment, man. I sit there and just, you know, I'm sitting there probably one of the biggest cheerleaders, man, because if you think about what the women have had to go through and some things that you got to think about also is like, you know, an African-American woman, they got two strikes against them. Any minority woman, really, they got two strikes against them. One day a woman and number two, they they, they, they a minority. So the fact that they don't even have an even playing field, man, and they're sitting out here trying to do what they need to do. I always salute. I always salute our queens, man, because we, you know, we come out of a queen. And at the end of the day, we ain't nothing without our queen. So anytime we see something like this taking place, man, it's just it's just a disgrace to the sport. And this is something that, you know, if you're trying to get our younger our younger princesses in this type of game, man, you know, you got to clean it up and you got to sit there. And, and and the man, I really think he should have stepped and did some type of due diligence and apologized to her. But, um, you know, Serena did take the high road. And, I, you know, definitely both shout outs to both parties because, you know, it could have gotten a whole lot uglier and it didn't. But uh, that's all I got, man. But uh, anything else you want to add on that, BB? Uh, no, I'm just uh, just want to add that she she is she's completely right, man. There there is, a, um, you know, there's a sex there's a sex sexist uh, undertone to this whole thing as well. The women don't get treated and. If you got arguably the biggest star in women's tennis, not, not even, being able to get the the call and things like that, then I mean there's a huge issue. And 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 the, the tennis federation, International Tennis Federation, they need to take a look at what's going on. Uh, injury report. I think Matt Stafford is down. Yeah, I'm looking at it. it Look like he was pointing at his coll- collarbone as well. So yeah. um, we'll we'll probably have to talk about that on the next episode. But uh, and not just to mention about Serena Williams. Not just that she's one. Of, she's probably the biggest person in their sport. Serena Williams is. I always put. You know, somebody always asks me, yeah, e, which which who's your top five as far as uh, top five athletes or people that you've seen that are greatest all time? You got to put Serena Williams up there with Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Floyd Mayweather. I mean, Serena Tiger Woods. Serena Williams is probably by far one of the best athletes ever to step foot on anything she's ever done on that tennis court, bro. Like, she, male or female, I don't care. Serena Williams is one of the best ever athletes ever assembled in sporting history, bro. I don't, I don't care what you say about her, man. She's up there, bro. Oh, yeah, you're right. You know, yeah, so, so that's, that's what I'm saying as far as equality. I don't want to hear nothing about who's the, you know, you definitely got to put Serena Williams in there. Um, you know, I definitely like to put Cheryl Millionaires, who probably is one of the best basketball players that ever lived. Diana Taurasi's up there. So uh, our queens are sitting here doing a lot of work, bro, that they just do not get their due diligence, man. Yeah, exactly. You're right, bro. I definitely agree with that. So moving on, man, we're going to wrap it up. We're going to do one more thing called the Big Dummy of the Day, man. Uh, my Big Dummy of the Day got to go with uh, – I'm going to have to sit there and go back on to Carlos Ramos, man, just to piggyback on him. Um, yeah, man, you can't, you can't sit here and try to act like you didn't run to make that uh, U.S. Open Finals all about you, bro. Shame on you for doing that. Shame on you for not giving uh, Naomi Osaka her due diligence because she was probably on the verge of beating Serena. Serena even admitted it, and we made this all about you and Serena, and that's just a doggone crying shame because I'm not going to lie. As a Japanese-American man, I was happy as a client to sit there and see that young lady sit there and 
and go ahead and take the first one for the for our country. So um, I'm definitely gonna sit there and say, Carlos Ramos, you definitely get my big dummy of the day. And hey, anytime, anytime this brother, this dude opens up his mouth, he can get the business too. And that would be your boy, Mister Number Forty Five, aka the President of the United States of America. Once again, you wanted to put your foot in your mouth on something that was super duper relevant that nobody wanted to really talk about, but yet you wanted to sit here and say something about the national anthem policy, bro. Like, when are you going to realize that you need to stop worrying about what's going on in the NFL? I've never seen a president so worried about something as ticky as a player standing up for the national anthem. Mr. 45, please take many seats down. You are the big dummy of the day, as usual, but you need to sit here and worry about possibly trying to save the world because you're over here just worried about the wrong thing. The NFL didn't make a spectacle of it. This wasn't a spectacle, uh, you know, five to ten years ago. And not to mention, if you're so patriotic about this flag and so many people need to stand while they're uh, while the national anthem is playing, one, you need to figure out what the colors are because there's pictures of you that you don't even know how to color the United States flag. Number two, if you're so worried about our service, our troops being a veteran, I do have some questions for you. Why did you defer the draft five times talking about you have bone spurs in your feet? If you're so patriotic, you should have been able to suck it up because I know plenty of battle buddies standing to my left and my right, your left and my right, that have sat there and gone through way more worse things than bone spurs and their feet, okay? I know people that sat there and passed PT tests with practically broken bones, bro. So don't sit here and try to act like you're a patriotic dude when deep down inside you're not, man, okay? So those are my two big dummies of the day, man. Who you got, bro? Uh, I, I really only have, uh, well, I guess I got one and they encompass each other. It's all uh, they're, they're, they run right hand in hand. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it to my big dummy award goes to the Dallas Police Department and Amber Ooh. Geiger. Mm. And uh, I don't know what's going on with this story. Uh, now it's he left the door open. The door, the door was unlocked and she walked in because she thought that she was at her apartment. But she walked in uh, to this apartment now at, at night after. Now, now, this is at night. The lights are off. She said she's seen a silhouette moving, and she thought her apartment was being broken into. So she took a step back, and she fired. I guess my question would be, oh, she parked on the wrong floor because she had been working for, yeah, she said she worked a 15-hour shift, parked on the wrong level, got out, went to, to the door, totally ignored the red, the red placemat that was in front he put that there intentionally so his apartment could be set out from everybody else so people will know where he lived you know and she says that she walked she walked in the door was already unlocked now first it was she she stuck her key in the door and it didn't work and then the door was unlocked but they got smart locks on those doors as well so she walks into the house and sees a dark silhouette thinks i mean sees a silhouette thinks that her apartment is being broken into and she begins to shoot (laughs) There is so many things wrong with not only that story, but why we can't get the true story. And we never will because he's dead. The guy was killed. Mm-hmm. She killed him. So the only story we have to go off of is hers. And she's mm-hmm. lying. That's what I feel like. I feel like she is lying. But this is this is typical uh, um, Dallas Police Department. Because if, if we remember, remember they had the shooting in Dallas and they said that they had a guy that was on the roof shooting. Um, you, you remember that? What was that? Yeah. Wasn't he like a National Guard soldier or a former National mm-hmm. Guard soldier, something like that as well? Exactly. So yeah. this is why I don't trust the Dallas Police Department. Well, 
there's video evidence showing that when they said that he was shooting from the top, there was actually shooting from the bottom. Like they mm. showed a guy walking and shooting. The same time they said that this guy was up there shooting. Second of all, they sent in a robot that they said blew him up. How come we never seen the video from that? The robot has a, a, a video mechanism on it. Mm -hmm. Where is that video? Mm -hmm. Where's the audio from where they said that they talked to him? Well, where's that audio? I mean, because it had to go back somewhere. Mm -hmm. So we've never seen the video. We've never seen the audio. We've never seen the dead body. So I don't trust the Dallas Police Department. I just don't, bro. And they have a bad, listen, they have a bad record uh, when it comes to, when, when it comes to things like, just in general. I mean, the, the police chief uh, who talked about uh, kids who come from two-parent homes tend to do better than the ones come from single-parent homes. And then his son ended up killing himself after shooting, uh, shooting at a police, I think. <laughs> oh, no, his son was, I'm sorry, his son was killed. Excuse me. His son mm -hmm. was killed after shooting at a, at a police officer. And he yeah. knows from a two-parent home. So, yeah, so Amber Geiger, uh, you're falling right in line with the rest of the Dallas Police Department, and that's why I'm glad I'm from the H. Yeah, man, and uh, just to piggyback on that, I didn't really want to discuss it into, I, I wanted to unfold everything, but BB, you're definitely down there. Like I said, man, one thing great about this show is that we are in two different locations on two different parts of the country, two different time zones, man, so you got your eyes on things that I can't necessarily kind of, you know, voice my opinion on, just like I got a lot of things out here on the West Coast that I can that I can view on, but uh, yeah, man, uh, that's, the, that's the whole situation is just going to be very interesting and uh, when it does come out, it's going, you know, the story probably won't be told out correctly. Um, one thing that had me 38 hot was the fact that she only got charged with manslaughter and it took so many X amount of days. Now, I've been on two different tour tours, man. I've been in one in Iraq and I've been in one in Afghanistan. I done pulled some 24 hour shifts before. And I know I'd have been blown, you know, been shot at, blown up, whatever the case may be, a couple times out there. But I ain't never stepped in no room not thinking that it wasn't my room. Okay. I don't know how elementary that can be, but. You know where you live. Like this ain't a new apartment complex where you just don't figure out where you live. Like you know what your apartment looked like. You know what I'm saying? Like there's no excuse on what why this woman sat there and shot 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 her pistol and sat there and killed this innocent brother who who seemed to seemed, seemed to me like he didn't had he ain't had no beef. He didn't he wasn't a menace to society. But at the end of the day, I have an, I definitely think that they're gonna try to portray his character in some type of thug, some type of animal. When all this man was literally doing was just living his life living in a, like living in his own apartment and the fact that you know you can't even you can't even enjoy your own peaceful time in the confines of your own home without even worrying about getting shot at that's a scary situation man so yeah i definitely want to piggyback off that and i'm glad you did bring that up but uh you know that i think at that note man we're gonna try to bring it up on a higher note man like i said everybody who's tuning in anybody who brings up our names anybody who wants to sit there and support the sports business podcast man we truly 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 appreciate you man and we can't do this without y'all i'm telling y'all right now bigger things are better uh, are yet to come i know uh, bb's been working on some projects i know i'm working on a lot of things but we definitely appreciate everyone's hard work if you're sitting there hitting that like button subscribe button sharing that uh podcast or even if it's just word of mouth man uh, we got ourselves on a couple of different platforms um, including google Podcasts as well as spotify man we can't do this without y'all and like i said hopefully by the end of the week um, we'll be able to get some of these questions submitted out to y'all and we can uh, follow up with y'all. So, um, BB, once again, how can they find you, man? Uh, Big Star Sports with a Z on Instagram, Big Star Sports with a Z on Twitter, and Brian L. Bearfield, Big Sarge on Facebook. And once again, my name is Eric Compton. You can find me at Money Compton on Instagram. You can also find me at Eric Compton on 
Facebook. Um, right now, you can email me at e underscore Compton zero five yahoo.com. You can also find my great battle buddy, my brother, man. I couldn't do this without you, man, out there in the K. Uh, oh, Lord, I'm forgetting the doggone radio station right name right now. KYOK. KYOK. Thank you so much. We done been on a couple of different airwaves. So, you know, you know, that's how we do it, man. We, we sit there and are able to get on a couple of different platforms and you start kind of forgetting. But on the legendary KYOK down there in Houston, Texas, out there on www.kyok.org. If you cannot find him in the Houston area, there's so many different ways we can sit there and listen to this brother man. You can also catch me out there at 3.30 Central Time doing my segment called Sports Business. It's basically like this, but we're on the regular frequency. This one is just on the Wi-Fi. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and end this on this positive note. And once again, we appreciate y'all. Love and peace, y'all. All right, now.